Hello everyone, welcome to a slightly sleep-deprived edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here as per usual and still recovering after what was a fairly dramatic night last night with the Raw going down to Melbourne victory 5-0 in the A-League, followed by a Socceroos Serie game that was following the pattern of every Socceroos Serie game being full of drama, but most importantly, we're celebrating an Australia win. So Scott, how awake are you right now? I'm struggling. Struggling just a little bit. Am I going to have to get you a coffee in between segments? I get back to you on that. Adam, how about you? Ah, you know, it's a day in the life. It's not really a drama, but uh, yeah, very, very um, interesting night in Australian football last night. Spot the guy going on holidays in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Full of energy. Yes, as this is an audio medium, I should just clarify that Scott and and I are flipping off Adam right now (laughs) because he's going on holiday in a little while. So yeah, we're here for DFS Fan Network and just quickly, uh, contact methods. You've got brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook is The Raw Review. We're still working on changing that. Twitter is at BNE Football and Instagram and Snapchat are non-existent because I don't understand Snapchat. Scott, yeah. wake up. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I heard you. All right, let's get right into segment one. We've got two uh, Brisbane Raw A-League games to recap and we'll start very briefly with Friday night down at Amy Park and... Well, look, can the Rogers stop playing at Amy Park? They lost to Melbourne City 1-0 with a goal from the Premier League, what was it, promoter and champion in the same day, Richie Delane? That was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, that's right. The it was 1-0 loss. false nines up front. Exactly. So it was 1-0 loss and, yeah, same old, same old, failed to create chances and defensive lapses. Wasn't great, was it? No. They really should stop playing at Amy Park. You're right. They've got a shocking record there. Yeah, just cool. in general, not just Melbourne City, just generally. How does Lakeside Stadium sound, Adam? Oh, I don't want to go anywhere near South Melbourne. <laughs> but, um, it's a yeah. It's get to the it's, A-League. <laughs> it's the... Oh, the shots have restarted. But, They're going to um, come after for that now, aren't they? Yeah, look, it's... Um, I know what it is about that place, but, um, yeah, the Raw don't like it. It's, and a lot of the House of Horrors have been at that ground. So, um, yeah, blow it up, I'd say, at least for the Raw. Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, just like a like a completely in context response, isn't it? You can't win a game. Just blow the whole stadium up. I just that seems, I, that's completely reasonable. I think so. I'd just say start advocating for an Ed Sheeran concert there every week, <laughs> or Coldplay, because then everyone will be asleep and no one will be able to leave. <laughs> so yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. One tried, one change to the side. We finally got an, uh, a sighting of Luke Devere in the A League side. He came in for the suspended Daniel Bowles, and Steph Negro came onto the bench for Aaron Reardon. I suppose. You know, the big talking point out of this game was the fact that Luke Devere played all 90 minutes after 180 minutes of youth team football. He did, he did look a little bit like you could see his fitness wasn't 100% there, but it, when, when he was particularly good in the first half, I thought, in terms of reading of the game, it was, that's always been good for him. It's just when he's got runners running in behind, behind him with pace, that's a bit of a trouble for him, but his reading of the game is still excellent. I do think he's lost a bit of pace, but yeah. yeah, he's still a very, very smart defender. Yeah, look, that that's the one thing that, you know, was getting him by, you know, so in youth league especially where it was apparent, 
uh, was that you know he he still can read the game, which you know it, it is almost a a crying shame that you know that he has physically lost a bit of mobility, a bit of you know speed off the, off the ball, and you, you can tell it's, you can tell the mind is there, and he's he, he's reading the game. It's just physically he just can't do what he used to when you know he was a socceroo. So it's a shame, but you know at the moment it's almost um, the best we've got at the moment as far as defence. Oh, sorry, I thought Stefan Nigo was really good off the bench as well in the second half when he came on. Although he was really good getting forward, offered a bit more than what we've seen in the last couple of games from the fullbacks. I thought he was quite good. He had a really good duel. Who was on that side, on the left side for City? I really don't remember. Well, they had a really good duel. I remember that. Yeah. Well, he played quite well off the bench. It, overall, it was like one of those losses that you kind of feel coming for most of the time, but early on there were chances. Like Adam Taggart had a uh, goal ruled out for offside, apparently incorrectly. Was it? Apparently. I can't remember this game. It was that long ago. Well, look, it was against the Raw, so it was incorrect. That's all my yeah. opinion on okay. it is going to stay as. But, um, yeah, another loss down in Melbourne, and I'm kind of glad I didn't decide to fly down on a whim for the double header because I would have only been happy going down for two wins. Well, the first half, would, first half of that would have been good. Exactly. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in segment two. But... We're going to go and focus a little bit more on the most recent game, and we'll just need a minute to get Scott, Scott, get Scott to stop crying. I really can't talk. You can't, and I don't want to talk about it either, so. Brisbane Raw nil, Melbourne victory 5 at Suncorp Stadium last night. A hat-trick from former Raw striker Costa Barbarousis, plus Ola Toivonen and the home-and-away character Storm Rue. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was about... That pretty much sums it all up, like... 1-0 down at halftime. It was a phenomenal header from Toivonen to actually get get uh, victory into the lead. And it was a free header, though. Yeah. I mean, it's not great defending from there, but it was a really good header at the back post. That's right. And then a Barbarous' hat-trick and a Stormery header in there as well, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, it was, but the rule were quite good for about the 25-30 minute mark through to the end of the first half. They were quite good. They really should have scored, if I'm being honest, with the amount of chance they did create, and it's... Yeah. The story of the season in a nutshell is this game. They create a bunch of chances they don't take, and defensively, they just leak goals left and right. So it's just ridiculous. What was really frustrating for me, like, if you want to sum it up, look at the victory's fifth goal. Like, Connor O'Toole was defending, you know, able able to recover and actually knock the ball away from, I believe it was Elvis Kamsoba? Oh, yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. It was at, like, he put in what was, in, for all intents and purposes, a very good challenge. It just happened to go straight to Barbarousis, who had an open net for a hat-trick. And it feels like they've conceded about four or five goals doing that, where their sole focus is clearing the ball. They do that very well. It's just, unfortunately, there's an opponent sitting there waiting for it. I think it's just, it's a case of, you know, it's just what can go wrong will go wrong at the moment. That's The thing is, is that, it's as Scott said, it's, it's almost a story of the season where it's not like the Raw have been outplayed from minute one to minute 90. There have been periods where you say, you know what, they had their chances, they're, they're creating chances, they, they actually look better than their opposition. Yeah. Where, where the scoreline was, you know, is they're 1-0, 2-0 down. There's always, you've always felt that at some point Raw were getting back into the game. They haven't been completely blown off the park. It's always a case of an incident happens and it's drop heads, and then the floodgates open. It's not, it's not even a case of oh, a player in substitute or anything like that. It's just a, situ- it's a situational thing where goals seem to happen at the worst possible time because of the, sort of the, I guess, the young nature of the team, especially last night, which was considerably notable, was that well, after, the, after the penalty where it made it 2-0, it was like, you know, heads down, oh, it's happening again. And they're just not, they're just not responding. And also as well, we've got to give credit to Melbourne Victory. Like they, Do we? 
well, I know. I know. Brisbane Roar B. Okay. Yeah, I, look, at the end of the day, they, they were clinical. They took their chances. And look, I guess in a way, if the likes of Melbourne City actually took their chances like Victor did, Friday night could have been 3 or 4 yeah. nil as well. So I think it's a, it's a, it speaks more about Melbourne victory and where they're at the moment. But I think the Raw, I guess, yeah. unfortunately, I think are all at sea. The other thing I will say is Darren Davies did really go for it in the second half. Look at his substitutions that he did make. That also contributed to... The goals late in the second half, the way he just simply took defenders off, pushed more players into the front third. I think that also created more space for the victory, which they were ruthless in taking. Well, right now they're at the point. You know, what's the difference between losing three 0 and five 0 yeah. Like a loss is a loss. I, I think that's. I think that's also well. That's probably different to some of these games early in the season. Is that with John was he sort of you know, in a way sort of trying to go you know, damage limitation, almost you know keep his job. You know, he'd, even though the game would be gone, they would still be sort of setting up to try and defend. Whereas, you know, the, the real signal intent from Darren Davies was when he brought Dylan Wenzel Halls on for Luke De Vere, you know, at 2-0 down, trying to chase the game. Unfortunately, they went 3-0 because of a sloppy, you know, defensive that saw Storm Rue head home. Yeah. And, you know, and it just went downhill from there. But he really tried to, you know, spark, to try to get back in the game, and it just didn't work. So you've got to give Darren Davies some credit for at least trying. Yeah. And in the same time, you've also got to go, like, some, like, what can they do from here right now? Like, to me, what really jumped out was the fact that, yes, they were going for it down 2-0, but also it was a side that was just so bereft of confidence right now yeah. that I, all they needed was just convert one chance in that first half. And look, maybe they still go on to lose. I don't know. I'm not a psychic. Psycho, maybe, but that's a different story. I honestly just think, like, you've had that feeling of, like, so many missed chances in the first half, and then you come back, give away a penalty, which was, for all intents and purposes, the right call. Let's be yep. fair oh. here. Yep. A penalty, all of a sudden it's 2-0, and you're thinking, oh, great, now, you know, they've got to go and chase yeah. the game again. They've got to go and chase it. Got to find two goals when we're struggling to just get one. And, mm. I, okay, there's a lot to unpack from here right now, but first and foremost, like, I do want to focus on one player who I was still very happy with come the 92nd, 93rd minute, Joey Coletti. Like, he came in to uh, play for Matt Mackay, who was rested in this game, and what was it? Like, even when the fourth official was holding up the stoppage time board late in the second half, he was still running around like a madman, screaming, going, get me the ball, get me the ball, still trying to make something happen. And look, for a young guy who has had a bit of a, you know, up and down time in Brisbane just with injuries and everything, I really enjoyed seeing him, like, Still trying. He brings a lot of energy to the side. No doubt about that. And I think it was great to see him play again last night. And he's again one of a number of players whose career, of future at the Raw, is in limbo right now with his contract. So for him and all the others, it's time to really start to perform. They're getting opportunities. I mean, we talked about Darren Davis has given a lot of players opportunities here. It's time for players to start taking them. And Coletti, you're right, is one who took it last night to a certain degree. And also, I suppose this is what you are going to get with younger players as well. Like they weren't going to come in and. I suppose, you know, fix everything and make them suddenly go on a finals run. But I think what we are seeing right now is the younger players are giving us, I suppose, signs for encouragement going forward. Like, Dylan Wenzel-Halls was a live wire. There are a couple of late challenges I could have done without throughout that game, but that was probably also born by and large from frustration. But I do think there's a lot to... Like, there is something to enjoy, at least in spurts as well, like Nick D'Agostino as yeah. well. Yeah, look, I was, going, I was just here saying, I, I asked a question in the press conference last night, I singled out uh, about Joe Coletti and Nick D'Agostino, the, the energy they brought, and they, they kept on trying. You, you can know. listen to that post-game show on our Facebook page as well. You, you sure can. Um, but um, 
Look, the one thing is that I sort of, I guess, disappoints me a little bit is, again, is sort of the, the fan reaction to it all. Is that, you know, the, the talk leading up to this game was give the youth kids a chance. Bring the kids in. Okay, they got smacked 5-0. And then all of a sudden, some sections of the fan, fan base are now turning on them. They're all turning on the club. They're at, turning on the experienced players, though, aren't they? Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't no, take no, so much criticism of the younger players today. No, that's the thing is, is that... But then again, like, this just the sort of the reaction of... Yeah, oh, you know, basically the season's lost and people sort of saying, oh, I'm sick and tired of this club and all that. Well, isn't this what she's wanted? Yeah. Like, isn't isn't this like this is the this is the thing that you know I guess people that they feed, the club feared is that why that you know for the last nine seasons that you know the Raw have prided themselves on playing finals football because of this there there hasn't been a natural rebuild allowed because the fans won't won't demand it. This has been forced upon now this this whole rebuild. Yet the fans don't seem any happier, and in fact they're starting to turn away in the drives. That's, to me, that's a little disappointing. I think if you lose five 0 at home, you're going to expect absolutely. Look, five nil. That's yeah, exactly. And it's, it's when no, you've conceded, what is it, thirteen goals yeah. in three home games? That's like, yeah. But I think, it, like yeah. I said, this, this disappointment's one thing, but also understanding that you know this and this could get. If you think we've hit rock bottom, this could get a lot worse. I think uh, those so, people only came on after, I suppose, the tenth uh, unbeaten game in 2010, yeah. forgetting the Boxing Day massacre <laughs> I on still the think Gold that's Coast. The worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah, and also yeah. keep in mind, like uh, that mm. after that game, there were a lot of fairly mm. prominent Raw fans going, "I want Ange gone." Yeah. So yeah. just be very careful what you wish. Also, for. the thing mm. is. That was worse. I know the scoreline wasn't, but it was because yeah. they, even though they don't exist anymore, they still carry on about it like it's the greatest thing ever. Like, they let Christian Reese score a hat trick, didn't they? No, I Shane Smoltz did. But, um, <laughs> but, but the, yeah, he did the score. Point is, the point is, victory fans will have forgotten about this by the time they play Wellington <laughs> Phoenix at the weekend. They will not care about this game any further. Yeah, and Gold look, Coast fans, the three of them that still exist, still carry on about it all these years later. Three? Well, well, three or four, whatever okay. it was. Oh, I thought it was less. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it was, something like that. That's no, that's no disrespect to the, the new Gold Coast United no. either. It's... This is the Palmer Gold Coast United. Yeah. But look, I I do want to go back and quickly touch on Melbourne victory. Like That's a side that I think is well and truly in the mix yeah. for the Premiership and Championship right now. For the simple fact that they, like, they were ruthless. You look at the players who perform well for them as well. I mean, Broxham at the back is not a starting player at Generally speaking, he's a squad player. Look at him. Um, King Kenny actually was really good at the weekend. From not like, didn't play last night, but he's been really good. Elvis came slow, but that's the first time I've seen him yeah. play in person. He's he's, he's lethal lightning on the. He was nothing on, but a hound dog. You could say that if you want. But he just wants to be your teddy that's bear. That's the one thing that you got any more references? Not right now. They, the they were really good. Um, and Akbari as well was really impressive on his return to Brisbane. He was very good in midfield. Yeah. There's the one thing that Kevin Musk had commented in his in his um, post game press conference that that he was you know just as happy with the defensive effort. You know, it's one thing going out and scoring five goals, but the, to keep the clean sheet as well, I think that's a big filler for you know for for the team's confidence. Look who's out as well. They've got Niedermeyer not, not playing, Honda's not playing, Nick Ansel's not available either. They've got a lot of players out, particularly in that defensive third. So The fact that they're able to keep a clean sheet with those players unavailable is a bit frightening for teams who'll be competing against them in the finals. But there was no let-up. Like, that was a yeah. phenomenal yeah. thing. Like I honestly thought, you know, 85th minute, there would have been some sort of raw consolation goal or yeah. something, you know, Tagger getting onto the end of a cross, which, oh, the crossing from the raw last night they really set out to do that. Now, I know we're running out of time in this segment, but... So I just, just on that, uh, one part of me does wonder, if because the Roar have beaten Victory 5-0 up here twice, part of me does wonder if when it got to 4, they kind of thought, right, we want to get 
a fifth one here just to get one of those results back. Yeah, possibly. Because teams are kind of petty like that when you think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why, that's yeah. why I like football, is yeah. I'm petty too. <laughs> yeah, you are. Oh, of course. I do, I'm do. i up there with the best. But what surprised me in this game was the fact that the Raw played in three different formations. They started off with a back three. It was Luke Devere, Conor O'Toole, and Daniel Bowles. Mm-hmm. And they had Daningham on the left wing, which... Oh, please never play him on the left again. He is so much better on the right. And put and Stephanie Grow was essentially the right wing back. Mm-hmm. I, I would have happily seen those two swap because I feel like Daningham is 20 times more effective coming down the right yeah. wing. He was also Negro. I said he was good in the City game. He was also very good in that game last night as well. Yeah. And look, I think a lot of these uh, bits of praise do have to come with the caveat of it was good for a side that's sitting ninth on the table and yeah. just lost 5-0. Like... I think every victory yeah. player outperformed the Raw, every Raw player last night, yeah. by and large. And, yeah, like a lot of this does have to come with a little bit of an asterisk to yeah. it. Of course. But, yeah, I just think overall... And then they swapped when Devere came off. They tried to push a little bit further forward. And, yeah, something needs to change, but what? We asked that question. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for because giving me that setup. I don't think any of us know the answer, so... Oh. Honestly, for me, this season now is... Solely down to seeing what we've got. There are, what, 16 players off contract. Mm-hmm. Let's see who, who gets kept and who winds up going. This is So one of the things, this was a great thing when Ange took over in 2009-10 and he had six months to do this. He could give players like Tim Smith, um, Matt Mundy, Peter Collin, David Dodd, like an extended run Stephen in the starting Price. lineup. But no, the guys who were there previously, I extended run in the lineup and figure out who's who can contribute to my team, who can't. And he had time to do that. At the moment, they're all, yes, they're doing that, but it's not... The, the coach who's going to go forward, we don't think, at the moment in charge, having that opportunity. No, So absolutely. the sooner they get someone who can do that, the better. Absolutely. I, I, this is where you just hope, sooner rather than later, they identify the next guy. And yeah. even if they can't announce it, it's someone who can at least look at the final few games and go, all right, yes, no, yes, yes, no, 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 no. Yeah. All right, so some of the comments that we got on Facebook, it's uh, still the Raw Review. We're working on changing that. Forsyth Ryan, I'd like to see Wenzel Halls get a start and see what he can do. Taggart is very good at holding and distributing. Play two out-and-out strikers. I'm actually very much in favour of that. that. Yep. Yeah. Taggart, I think, has demonstrated that he needs to feed off a player, need a player for either a fellow striker or at least a centre-forward in the old language. Um, him doing it by himself, trying to, trying to sort of, you know, you know, make muster off, off crosses and all that. It's only going to work for so long, but it's very, very predictable, and I think they need to see it. And I think at the moment, Wenzel Halls is probably the one that could probably step into that. He also, also did push centrally more Wenzel Halls when he came on. Mm. Yeah. He was, they kind of did play as a two for a few minutes yeah. there. Well, that's, and that's the one thing as well you notice about, like, Wenzel Halls played as an out-and-out striker for Pride, didn't he? At times, or also uh, out on the left. He yeah, played yeah. both. Well, okay, well, at least he's got the ability to do that. And also... I think the one thing we've noticed about Taggart, he's not the most, I suppose, he's not going to press as much. And I've noticed Taggart was a lot more effective when he had Matt McKay coming up from midfield, doing yeah. a lot of that high pressing yeah. as well. So if you get some legs up there with him, let the other guy press, and Taggart can maybe try and sit a little bit deeper and get in the right position for a counter yeah, that That didn't quite work last night. Um, Dagestino also is not the best at pressing defensively, that's not his game either. No, but so you've got two players in those positions who aren't naturally doing that. That's why Victory had so much time to play out. Certainly. And, um, yeah, Daggers came very close with that volley as well. He did. Oh. No. Reminded me of like his game against Perth last year when he had about eight chances to score and didn't quite take one. Yeah. It was a bit similar. All right. Um, 
yeah, John said on the show, ask about the club identity and the way Brisbane rule playbook by Ange. Can someone find the book, dust it off, and get the players playing that style of football? Now, it's not around here. It must be somewhere else. No, that's because I don't read. I think they've just converted to Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, the one thing I will say about that style of play, I'm not tied to it. I, I would happily take Graham Arnold coming in and playing what what like a fairly well, what's been called negative brand of football, even though they were still scoring six in a game at a time. But I suppose I just want to see the team playing smart football. I don't care if it's, you know, out-and-out attack, counter-attacking, or, you know, eight strikers, one defender, or whatever. I just want to see them playing smart football. Because we saw Darren Davies when he first came in against Sydney FC, but all the talk was he brought that style back, and it did for a couple of games, but the last few games it hasn't quite been there either, so I'm not even sure that style... I think the ambition is still been, all the time anyway. I think the ambition has still been there though. I think it's just a case of having to chop and change the squad so much, it just really isn't going the way that like I think there's just a little bit of what's the word I'm looking for? I've completely blanked yeah. on that. But you know, like not cohesion, what's the opposite of that? Incoherent? Like, yeah, like what I'm being right now. <laughs> um Tracy Douglas said, you know, back Reese to answer this question, please. Well, like, where to now? I would love to know. But I think Based on recent, uh, they're not going to answer it anyway. Well, I think they're going to answer it through the decision of David Pure and Pedro Dinovich on the new coach. I, I just, I just don't know what they, what the fans want from the owners at the moment. Like they've given them everything they can. This is, this is clearly a, um, if, if unless there's, they're reflecting on other issues, which we'll get on to later. Um, I don't know what the owners are supposed to be answering for. This is a, a clearly a football department issue, and obviously they have to solve that. The owners aren't going to... All the owners can do is provide the cash to do that. The, as far as, you know, getting no one back to answer, oh, why the, play, the players play like Oh, come on. You know, that's, that's because, not... It's because they're absent owners and a lot of people don't agree with your take there that they, no, I'm not, a lot I'm of people just think they're completely that. just ignoring it when they're over there. That's the perception. Yeah. Um, two more comments. Uh, Raf Berman, we've hit rock bottom tonight. I don't think there's a way up right now. Well... I can think of two much worse losses to the mm-hmm. Gold Coast, yeah. including 24 hours after Frank Farina's drink-driving yeah. incident. You could also talk about that game we don't talk about here anymore, where things literally fell apart on the pitch. <laughs> That's right. That was the last time we hit rock bottom. And, yeah. Oh, look, to be honest... Uh, Everything's gone further than that anyway. Look, the, the record <laughs> says that it is the worst, it's the worst loss in league. Uh, football for the Raw, um, ninth, ninth straight winless game, like winless run, which is also a club record. But I'll tell you what, we lose to Central Coast Mariners on um, on Sunday. It's going to be a new level of rock bottom, I think, because that's a game that is innately winnable. And I think Save it for segment four. What's that yeah. infuriating stat going around today that Victory has scored nine goals at Suncorp this year to Brisbane seven? That's, that's correct. Right. Although I'm pretty sure they scored the same amount of penalties. Now, yeah. the final comment, Lisa McCormick, where to from here? To the women's game, to support them this Saturday. A win needed to cement their place in the top four, get around them. And we're going to do exactly that right after the break. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this Wednesday afternoon, or whatever time it is when you're actually listening to this. But it's Wednesday afternoon for us right now. So... We're going to talk about a little bit more positive segment too and talk about the W League win in the first part of Friday's doubleheader down at Amy Park. I've got three words for this. Smash and grab. Adam? I concur. I think we all had the same thoughts of me watching this. Yeah. It was pretty much exactly what it was. We were starting to feel like that around about the hour mark, weren't we? 
Yeah, it, it, pretty much just as um, at least Kill might happen to miss her penalty. That's when it was like, all right, and that was it's... actually a penalty yeah. miss. Yeah. That's what I said, missed. I know that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> it's just a chance for me to get on my high. No, this yeah. the thing is, I guess in a way, you know, it, I feel kind of guilty, sort of almost, sort of, you know, celebrating the fact that the rule won. I don't because no, don't. the way it was done, like Melbourne City were that dominant. Um, but then again, no, see, this is a results-driven business. City. You, and no, no, at no. the end of the day, you're not you're not going to care about philosophy. You're not going to care about style mm. when you get the goal and you get the three points. Are you unfamiliar with the terms of rivalry and revenge? Oh, I they have too. knocked the Raw out of the finals twice. So the well, fact that the Raw have essentially ended their season and their three-year winning streak in the grand well, that's finals. Just karma. What a it's fantastic! And the fact they did it by by having Melbourne City play so well and they just smash and grab it's perfect. Raw players, former Raw players hitting the, I said hitting almost. the, hitting oh, I said almost hitting the crossbar, missing the penalty. It's brilliant. I have no qualms ever celebrating a Brisbane Raw win, Absolutely. especially this season. Yeah. I said I said nearly guilty. Yeah. That former coach of your team in the Premier League was called Specialist in Failure, wasn't he? I don't know what you're talking about. No, but he was called Specialist in Failure, wasn't he? What's Rado? Yeah, well... Oh Sorry. He's, um, no comment. He's going to be out of a job, I think. That's for sure. Yeah. It hasn't worked for him as a main coach, has it? Well, he's no. got a, had an excellent team down there. Well, just on a quick tangent, though, that practice of like hiring assistants as full-time coaches generally hasn't really paid off. I think the only one that really has has been Kevin Musket. Yeah, and yeah. Steve Corrick is to be determined. Yeah, well, yep. it, the only ones you have enough, I suppose, information on. Well, it might Mulvey worked out okay. He was an assistant. Well, he was an assistant at the Gold Coast. and then. No, I mean, like, just promoting from within. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. That's all. That being said, though, I still am a big fan of Darren Davies. Anyway... Two changes to the raw side. McGrath and Ubogagu in for India Page Riley and Caitlin Torpy. Seriously, we've, we've got to talk about this. How did City's version of um, Ribbon's Light miss that shot? Um, it, because she's no one, light. no one knows. Yes. No one knows. That is that is inexplicable how, yeah. she missed, how Riley Dobson missed that. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. And, like, Ali Rosso would have scored. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and speaking yeah. of, apparently she'll be back uh, sooner rather than later. Oh, I good, think. Good. Yeah, good. That's what I'm hearing. So the real ribbons out there. Exactly. Yeah, you know, whether she got, comes on and plays, you know, 10 minutes mm. or a full game, that's going to be a phenomenal mm. story. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, uh, so it went into the break nil-nil, and then a very, 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 very soft penalty for City after the quote-unquote push from Jenna McCormick on Spencer. If I didn't see that penalty in last night's game, I'd say that was probably the worst decision of the of the week. But yeah, I think you're talking about the one in Abu Dhabi, right? Not I not in Brisbane. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. It was very very soft that penalty. Yeah, yeah, go on figure. Friday, the one. I mean, yeah. If that's a push, then there's like eight penalties a game. It's yeah, yeah. You can't be paying that. Insert shit. your own VAR joke here. Mm. Um, yeah, but on the plus side, it all worked out, though, because Eloise Catlin-Knight had a shocking miss. Yeah. Was it, what were we saying last night? Secret <laughs> agent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They all count. <laughs> and then, yeah, first shot for the Raw arrived just after the hour through Nagasato. She's really settling yeah. in well, isn't she? She is. And that, that really was the first chance the Raw had, because before that, I don't think they had a shot in the first half. So it was, they were defending quite a lot. Melbourne City obviously did have a lot. To play for, and that was the whole thing for them. They knew that because they've played an extra game compared to everyone else, they really needed the three points in this game, and they really pushed for it. I think the Raw kind of knew that and played to it. And so I said, all right, we'll sit back here, we'll absorb what Melbourne City have, and then we'll grow into the game. And that's really what happened. I think Yuki Nagasato, I think it's as advertised, like it's, this is a World Cup winner. 
and she, she signed every bit of that, that that sort of you know the, the class that you know made it you know the, that sort of you know made her a uh, feature that um, Natashiko side. So, and also like above all else, it was just a very very yeah. mature performance I think from the team. Yeah, which you know it's. It's really encouraging because it shows like they're able to win different ways. Like we saw when they played Victory a month ago, they needed four, they got four. They've been really good away from home under Mel as well. There was only really that one bad afternoon, or one bad half really, away Mm. to Sydney FC where they got beaten 5-1 or whatever it was. Outside of that, away from home in the last two seasons, they've been absolutely superb. That's right. And speaking of superb, great goal on the counter for Chi Ubogagu. Cuts inside and beats Lydia Williams. Yeah, look, that's um, Ubogagu. You know, see, she's on she's on a high at the moment. You know, she's um, got called up again to the England squad. So they're training camp, I think, as we speak. All I because believe. of uh, playing for Brisbane Raw, right? Absolutely. Oh, it has to get some go some recognition. Um, but yeah, look, and, and she just deserves, and she's sort of you know. Work on that confidence, but again, like, like Nagasato, she is as she is as good as what we thought she'd be. So I've, I've missed that. So Chibo was away for this weekend's game. She is, and I believe her. possibly next as well. Depending on the depending travel. on the Friday travel. night game, a Friday doubleheader. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So bit of a loss, but hopefully they've uh, still got the depth to cover all of that. You would hope so. Yeah, um, but that result good enough to get the Raw women up to second place on the ladder. Uh, Really taking advantage yeah. of a slip-up by Adelaide United. Yeah, the results went for the Roar in this game because Perth Glory also lost the way to Newcastle Jets as well at the weekend. So and still some of the teams that could have leapfrogged yeah. the Roar actually dropped points. So That's right. So now they're just two points behind Melbourne Victory um, with three games to play. Yes. Unfortunately, they don't play Melbourne Victory again this season. So, But, hey, anything's possible. I think we've seen it's a very even competition. You've got nine points between first and eighth. Yeah. So at, at this stage, nothing is secure right now. No. Although, by my count, if I, if the Raw women do win this weekend, they'll at least knock out Newcastle of... Well, at least knock out the chance of Newcastle overtaking them and could potentially secure a final spot. Yeah, so I kind of looked at it at the table. One win will secure a final spot. Yeah. Two wins should secure a spot in the top two. And if you win all three of your games, you might, yeah, depending on other results, end up finishing top of the table. And just looking at the way the games are scheduled as well. Yeah, but it's three tough games. Like Sydney this weekend, then Canberra and Adelaide. So it's not like they're playing the lowest-ranked teams. They've got teams who are competing for final spots as well. So. Even if they were playing the lowest-ranked yeah. teams, though, that's still like, yeah, well, pretty we'll, tough We saw out. the game against the Wanderers just before Christmas. They were That was a tough game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mel- Melbourne Victory do have, um, in the run home, they have uh, Sydney FC and, and Scissors clicks over, and Perth in the last okay. two weeks. So Whereas Raw have Adelaide have Adelaide and Canberra, Canberra in the last two weeks well, yeah. split that round. So, look, I think it's it's, it's all good. Like I said, it, the run to the finals is going to be, you know, every point's going to be valuable. And I think it's going to make for a very, very good final couple of weeks of the season. Just like last season, it's going to come down to the last day. Absolutely. We know the Raw had to, it was in their hands, but they had to win on the last day to secure it. So Certainly, and it could come down to that final day in Adelaide as... Uh, in Adelaide as they take on Adelaide women at Martin Sports Complex. Yep. One player who will be involved in that game, though, is Jenna McCormick, who is apparently, according to... I forget who wrote the story originally, but... I think it first came from Val. Okay, Val. Show down in Adelaide. Uh, says that uh, Jenna McCormick will be remaining with the Raw indefinitely as she pursues a Women's World Cup spot, and if that is the case, and she's going to be there for the rest of the season, 
I withdraw any and all objections I had to that signing. It's look, and that's it's good sign. I think that you know as well. I think that at least in the women's side, I think this cooperation between the sports, you know, well done on um, the Adelaide. Adelaide Crows AFLW side for allowing Jenna to pursue this. Obviously, at the end of the day, you know they'll they'll, they'll get the benefits of Jenna like, if she doesn't make it to the World Cup. But if it does, obviously there's there's some some gratitude towards it. So you know, well done to them. And and I think her remaining in the squad, I think that boosts the Royals' chances. You know, really to you know to make that finals run and you know that championship. It does, and it also boosts. Jenna's chances of playing in this um, Cup of Nations coming up, which yeah. I definitely expect she will get an opportunity in that because her form warrants it based on the way she's played this year. Well, I think her quote was something like, um, I, if I'm sitting on my couch watching this and I don't give it a chance, I won't be able to forgive myself. Yeah, yeah so that's it. Giving herself every it's chance a, to make it. It's a fantastic attitude to have. This, yeah. this is obviously, she's a very, very talented athlete and it's yeah. good to see that, you know, she took a, she took a chance coming to Brisbane. Um, she's obviously getting the rewards for it and, you know, and obviously we just wish her the best luck and, you know, a, a championship win with the Raw will obviously put her name in light as far as Alan Stadgett's Final 23. So playing with Claire Polkinghorn also. Yeah, that helps. too. You have that natural partnership yeah. there already. The one thing I will say, though, from an Adelaide Crows perspective, do you, if it turns out that McCormick misses uh, Matilda's selection because they said, no, you've got to come down and play here, do you really want to be dealing with an angry Jenna McCormick? Because I've seen what she's done to opposition strikers, and I'm not sure I'd want to push that I've luck. seen what she's done to fellow players. <laughs> I do think when the double season finishes, Jenna will go play some AFLW in between then and the Cup of Nations as well. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she does. Oh, look, I've seen how fit AFL players are. Yeah. We, saw, as we saw Elise Perry swap between the two quite often. So I think in cricket. In cricket, so I do think it's possible for Jenna to swap between the two in a short period of time. That's right. And one other brief bit of news. Five uh, Raw slash NTC girls named in the Junior Matildas training camp in Canberra. Mia Bailey, Georgia Beaumont, Charlotte Farmer. Kezia Pritchard and Jamila Rankin. So, congratulations to them for that achievement. Now, this Saturday, you two are going to be at Lions Stadium. I will be stuck in the office. And we're going to be talking about the Raw taking on Sydney in the W League. A massive game, actually. Yeah. Sydney, I think, is fifth on the table. So fourth. For, are they fourth? Are they? So they're on make, goal difference. So, they're in, they've made the late season charge as well. And they're, they're obviously a very good side who kind of towed up the Raw, it's fair to say, in the second half. Yep. Of that game down there. So, I think... They'll all be out for revenge in that game, and if they are going to finish in the top two, they kind of need to get a result here. Absolutely. And yeah, a win here would also really harm Sydney's finals yeah. chances. A uh, win for the Raw would. Yeah, I think Sydney's the only team who've made the finals every single season of the W League as well. So That's it. And all of a sudden then, Sydney are going to have to start scoreboard watching. Yeah, but if that goes the way it should, which we hope it does. And look, you'd hope that you know, obviously, with the men not playing so well at the moment, you'd hope that you now focus does switch to the women as well now, and, and that they get a large supporter contingent down to um, Lion Stadium on Saturday afternoon. It's yeah. really no excuse. It's a friendly kickoff time as well. Four twenty Saturday. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good time for a kickoff down there. It, it would be great. Yeah, yeah. it would be good. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm sure you are. Yeah. I'm, I would be too, but... <laughs> so you can watch it on the MyFootball Live app while you're in the office. I think Fox Sports stream it as well, so... No, I'll be, I'll be tuning... I will be tuning yeah. in. Don't worry about that. It's tune getting in. to that crunch time. Everyone, tune in. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's going to wrap up segment two. We'll be back after this to talk about the Socceroos last night and the reason we're all so tired. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football 
Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on a sleepy Wednesday afternoon, trying to recover from last night's dramatic final Asian Cup 2019 Group B game between Australia and Syria. No, I'm fine. I've got my energy back now. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Ready to go. All right. It really could have gone wrong there for a second, couldn't it? Yes, I remember I was joking with Adam on the after the Raw game. I was like, is this, if they actually lose this game and get knocked out, this could be the most depressing show ever. Yeah. Because it was... Right, but it actually, you say it looked like it could have gone either way for a while. They were in control for the most part. Yes, it was a dramatic game with plenty of incidents which we'll get to, but I thought they were always the better side and a bit of control in the game. I think that could have had something to do with the team that I'd watched earlier that night. <laughs> yes. But when Syria levelled it at 2-2... There was a quite a bit of. Um, how oh, part I, of me did yeah. wonder if we were going to hear that Palestine had scored, and then then you'd be really on edge. Oh, I was just thinking a Syrian penalty or something. Yeah. just something to consign them to a loss, and then force you onto the lottery of third place teams. But it wasn't. It was a Tom Rogic show, and he capped it with what was a phenomenal match-winning goal that made me look very, very smart on my day job. And he made me look very, very stupid because I said on our Twitter account at two one they should take him up before he gets a stupid yellow card, which would have obviously seen him be suspended, and he. Popped up with the winner. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, Adam. Someone said something stupid on Twitter? I Whoa! I make it a daily habit of it. <laughs> sorry, Adam. You were going to say that. I was going to say, do they carry over the other cards? Yes, through to the quarterfinals. Ah. So, so, so he's still hanging over his head. But on the bright side, Trent Sainsbury's in the clear. He is. He was oh. missing for that game, and Mark Milligan came into the centre of defence. And Great idea in theory. Not so much in practice. We should very quickly mention I did beat Palestine three 0 since the last time we played. We saw oh yeah, that's right. Jamie McLaren scored. Yeah, Jamie McLaren got out of Scott yes. McDonaldville. Yeah. One goal. <laughs> Woo! That's right. And ahead of a good goal. Yeah. That's right. Everyone can end those comparisons now. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, there's many more goals to come from McLaren over the next couple yes. of weeks because look, he didn't have the most impactful game last night against Syria, but. It was still a bit of a pest, and that's yeah. what if his striker's not scoring, but you've got other con- yeah. contributions coming in elsewhere. That's really all you can ask. He's going to have do. to because Naboo's apparently re-injured his scoring or Hampson, whatever it is, which is going to keep him out for Naboo's apparently re-injured. Yeah, so he's probably out for the rest of the tournament now. And Leckie's was only ever going to be available for the back end of the tournament. I have no idea what happened with Martin Boyle. Is he still there? No, he's yeah, injured. He's oh, he got replaced. He's by gone. Yanu. He got replaced that's back what... in December. That's I. Yeah, Janu uh, replaced. I can't him. keep up with all these soccer injuries. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Janu's in for boil balls back in um, in Embra at okay. the moment. So Ryan Grant got into a fight with a hair clipper. That's just any old day. But no, Janu was really good when he came on actually for the second game in a row. He's yeah. adding quite a lot. He really, I think he suits Graham Arnold's style with that target man approach. I think he really suits the way Arnold likes to play, and he's having quite an impact in this tournament. He is a perfect plan B opportunity. I love the idea of McLaren running at defenders, and yep. then you bring on the big barreling. You know, essentially a better yeah. version of Matt Simon yeah. or a competent version of Matt Simon. Some people have been saying Yanu should start after he played so well against Palestine he had an impact off the bench. So I thought I'd do the same thing. I'd just keep him as that plan B off the bench. 25 minutes to go. Bring Spe- the big guy on up front. Especially against the um, the East Asian um, nations where where Australia seemed to have better luck. You know, sort of almost that more physical um, I'm not going to use the word bullying, but that more physical style, I think Gianni will be more suited to that, whereas against the um, the West Asian nations that, that basically littered this this group, um, you had to be a lot lot quicker and a lot more mobile, which is probably why Jay McLaren was probably preferred over Gianni. But look, for me, the star at the moment, well, actually, I've got two. I think Owen Mobile, yep. I think he's been, he's been brilliant all three games. And um, even even in the, uh, in the loss against Jordan, he's been great. And I think 
Chris Economides, since he's come in, he's really added something to it. And it's no, I guess it's no fluke that, you know, six goals, you know, in the last two games and, and sees them through in second. He has added a lot of energy and spice mm. that left-hand side in place of Robbie Cruz out there. Yeah, he absolutely. Has. And look, I, I'm a huge fan of Mobil. It's amazing what happens when he leaves a rival A-League club, how much more I suddenly like him. Exactly. <laughs> it is. No, he's been excellent since he's come into the side as well, I mean... Australia lost their two top goal scorers of the last decade, basically, or two of the last two of the top three with Cahill and Jednak leaving. And there was Jednak. a big. Either way, they both left. Mike. My Aussie Mike is he was labelled. <laughs> yeah. Either way, they both retired, and there was a big golf in terms of goals as where were they going to come from? And what's the bill got now? Three and five or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he seems like he might be that solution at least for the short term. And with the Asian Cup in mind, need to find somebody, and if it, even if it's only just for this tournament, needed to have somebody. He's been really good. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot to really like about that as well. Yeah. Like, the strike, though, just unbelievable. Mm. Left foot as well. I thought, hang on, how good is Babil's left foot? Turns out, very good. <laughs> very good. I also like what he said after the game was all about his celebration. That was interesting. Yeah, well, I've actually just yeah. shared that on the Raw Review page from um, fellow from DFS uh, Adrian's other podcast, Just Talk About It. Yep. Uh, yeah, a lot of people suffer from suffer with mental health, Health. that celebration was to let those suffering know that it's okay to speak up to talk to someone about it. So, yeah. yeah. Like, it's one of those times where good on him for using his platform. Yeah. Like, yeah. I honestly can't think of right now a reason to dislike him unless, you know, you like his rival club in... Where does he play? It's it's Michelin. Michelin. Yeah. Oh, Midgetland, as he was called, when Man United played. <laughs> yes. When, when English people couldn't figure out how to pronounce the Danish club's name. All right, so I want to get back and, re- uh, I suppose, get into this with a little bit more depth. Um, and so, yeah, so soccer is led for all of about 90 seconds, and then it, what was a bullet header got saved by Matt Ryan, unfortunately right into the path of the Syrian striker who was able to just, yeah, kick it straight back in. Yeah, it was a bit of a kick in the teeth, wasn't it? I know, I got up and was just like walking around thinking, okay, you know, we'll get back into the game, and next thing I hear Simon Hill go, oh no, <laughs> or something to that effect anyway. Yeah, look, Omar uh, Karubin is a quality player. You know, he he was the Asian Football of the Year in 2017. So, so look, you know, they, they, and that's the thing with the Syrian team. I think, you know, it was always wore him off at your own peril because they they always had that strike power with him and uh, Omar Al Somar. So, um, look, it was, they're a it was, good team. Like, I'm not crazy yeah. to think like they're actually really yeah. like well, they didn't get to the World Cup playoff, I suppose. Yeah. You know, by yes. accident. It's just one of those sides that is very easy to ride off just looking at it on paper. Yeah. They're going to be one of the best teams who go home at the end of the group stage. Because they were really, really good. I don't, They might not have been good in their first two games because of the coach, but they were really good in this game, particularly the first half. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, they, they're they playing with so much confidence and what, it's just amazing seeing a side that, yeah. you know, it's, like does get written off just, you know, by quick and easy analysis. but. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, lots I'm, like. I didn't see the game, but I'm struggling to see how they, um, and with all due respect to Palestine, how this Syrian team, uh, how they drew one all with them. Because, um, look, they, they, they were quality and they, they, they really pushed the Socceroos. Like, at the end of the day, I guess you know, a bit of class and a bit of fortune got the Socceroos home. But, look, they, they, were, they were up for the fight. And, you know, you could tell after the full-time whistle, Blue, how devastated they were because I think they they were close, but yeah. it's well, just not good enough. They were what two minutes away in injury time to finish finishing third because the draw would have seen them finish third ahead of Palestine. Yeah. Absolutely, and but then they probably go through with their two points. That's it. Now there was a little bit of controversy from a Mexican referee. 
First yeah. things first, why is a Mexican referee Apparently it's part there? of some exchange mm. program. Well, I want a refund. Yeah, they got the wrong referee in exchange. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a clear penalty missed on Mark Milligan. I think we can all agree about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every other week. Yeah. It's one of those where if it's down the other end, you'll be screwing for it to be given. I did like the uh, Twitter defence saying, oh, you know, technically if you read the rule book this way, it's not a penalty. But yeah, you go ask the same people if Australia's losing 2-1 and it's a Syrian defender doing that if they're caring if yep. the technicalities. Yeah. All I will say is just, yeah. But then, you know, Syria got their makeup call as oh. one Syrian player fouled another Syrian player and somehow that was deemed to be worthy of a penalty. Go I'll, figure. I'll tell you what, the three people actually like VAR in this world, that's the perfect... Just grab that 10-second clip there. This is why we need VAR. Yeah. yeah. Because it would have picked that up. That's a clear and obvious error. Well, and also as well, probably the, the Milligan one as well. So, yeah. look, that's the thing is, and you know, I know, I know we're not the biggest fans of VAR, but unfortunately there were a couple of exhibits why. Um, there was about a five-minute patch last night <laughs> yeah. where I was. Yeah, you probably, you probably do need it because they, they are the clear and obvious ones that, that VAR and technology in the 21st century should be eradicating. The because, other thing is, sorry, go ahead. The other, thing, yeah. the other thing is, though, there were two other officials behind the goal line. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the surprised. positioning of those two officials. I don't understand how they missed it either, to be fair. Uh, Both the Milligan one and also the, the Syrian penalty that was given. I don't know how they missed either of them. The right. only mm. argument I guess you could make is they deemed that it was an accidental ball-to-hand type of thing or that it like basically hit his armpit. Possibly. That's the only justification I can think of that. Anyway, I want to take a couple of minutes to single out Tom Rogic. What a game he had. Like he, I've been waiting for him to take over an important game for the Socceroos. That was it. Oh, I, I think I said it last week or the week before, whenever I did say it, that you know this was Tom Rogic's stage, especially with Aaron Moy not in the side. He had to take over. It's his stage to dominate, and finally, yeah. finally, he's done it. Yeah. And you know, look, and, and that's and that's what you want. That's the Tom Rogic that is so valued, and why Celtic chuck a huge stink about him being being released early. This is this is the reason why. And you know, this I think. That's, that's probably the most positive thing, besides getting through, is that you know, the arrival of Tom Rogic. And hopefully you know, it lasts the rest of the tournament, at least. He was instrumental last night. And I did criticise him last week on the show after the um, Jordan loss when he was not at his best show. So he was, this is the best game I've seen play yep. in the green and gold. Apparently, apparently, apparently the broken hand and all too. Yeah. Maybe he should break his hand more permanently. <laughs> <laughs> Just before he goes into soccer, his camp, maybe. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Anyway, so... That result, good enough for the Socceroos. The 3-2 win, good enough for the Socceroos. Finished second in Group B, B. behind Jordan by virtue of head-to-head record. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that their round of 16 game will be against the runners-up of Group F on Monday night at, I think... No, Monday night into Tuesday morning at midnight. I think it's a 10.30 start Brisbane time because 11.30 down in Sydney. Uh, it could be an 11 o'clock yeah. site. You yeah. may be right yeah. about that, yes. But they'll play either Uzbekistan or Japan. And if they play Japan, this will make this whole exercise of avoiding top spot pointless. Because they'll yeah. just play Japan a game earlier. But you would assume Japan will beat Uzbekistan or finish top of that group. Which means Australia will probably be playing Uzbekistan which, yeah. on Monday night. You would have to th- back Australia, uh, Japan to get up in that well, one. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm, I'm not so confident. The way Japan have been playing... like They have only been falling over the line in, in both... The, like. Uh, in both in both their games and um, yeah, look, I, I'd actually I actually say Uzbekistan might actually be preferred. I think to to, to get, at least get a draw. So look, I, I personally I hope that. Um, but then again, with saying that, if that Japan side that showed up in the group stage shows up at you know in LA in on Monday, 
I don't think I don't think Socceroos got anything to fear because they have not mm. been good. Who got who finishes top of the group in a draw in that situation? Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. Uh, Uzbekistan. Plus five gold difference. So Japan's yeah. yeah. got to win the two. game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I was just thinking because the draw has kind of opened up for the Socceroos looking dangerously ahead here. They play either of those teams in the. We're onto the round of sixteen. Yep. Yeah. Into the round of sixteen. Thank you, Bill Belichick. But they'd also play UAE. I oh, know that was me, not you. It was they played the host nation UAE in the quarterfinals. Yes, it's the host nation, but would you rather play the UAE or Iran or South Korea? I'd rather just win on forfeit personally. <laughs> no, but UAE. Yes, they're a good side at home, but they would probably be the more preferred option if the Socceroos can get that far. That's right. So that's our Asian Cup wrap. We're going to touch. Asian Cup wrap. Yep. We're going to touch on a couple of news stories very quickly. Coaching update. You know, the rumours of Carl Dodd continue uh, as being the leading candidate. Now, again, that's all rumours. The whole MPL Dream Team combination, wasn't it? With Warren With Moon as the assistant and Nathan Coe. Or and was? Shane Smeltz's yeah. assistants. Now, you know, there, if there are any concerns about Warren Moon's lack of experience at A-League level, then at least that would be a good way for him to, I suppose, get into it. But, yeah. It's, it's certainly interesting. Like, obviously, I think we're a way off doing it. And, look, if they're getting... If they're going to give it to Warren Moon, I've got no complaints about that. But yeah, yeah. no, look, I think in the day, I think you know, apologies, lines. Yeah. <laughs> the whole coaching thing, I think, yeah, you know, I, I, I got a feeling that Darren Davis is going to be in the job for a while. I don't think the raw uh, now that the season is pretty much done for. I don't think they're in any rush to find the coach. I think they want. I think I think the the club management. I think they understand that this is this is probably you know a defining moment as far as who they select as a coach. And I think then they're not going to be rushed into it. I think you know why rush? Yeah, why rush? And nor should they be rushed. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they've they're now in a position where they think a new coach. Maybe we can still go on a run and yeah. you know win the. That, that loss, that loss last night. I think that I think, I think the the most eternal optimist to say that yeah. Rory Chanson, you know, well, mind you, yeah. I believe I was talking in our chat on Monday, using the numbers that I had last year, where the average fifth place finish, uh, average sixth place finish was around thirty six points. Mm-hmm. The Raw now need twenty nine points from thirteen games, so essentially <laughs> ten wins and three losses. Yeah. Not going to happen. And that's no. assuming it's the same tally again. Yeah. Yeah. Which... I, and I think, we're, we're, as we're discussing, I think that given the way the game's going, sort of now that you got two or three very, very good teams that are going to yeah. they're going to win more than they're going to lose. I think that number of thesis is going to be a lot higher. I think yeah. it's going to be Closer to low forties, and that's like what we had in fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. 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 And that was a season where you had one of those. Well, you had virtually a drag race to, to the premiers' plate, and I think that means that well, that's never a good. If four. you're talking about the three-horse race year, that was 2014-15 with Perth, Sydney and Melbourne. No, I was thinking... Before you, Perth got withdrawn. I was thinking of 15-16. Oh, when the Raw were in it with Adelaide and Melbourne City. For the yeah. Premiership, and the Wanderers, yeah. yeah. And, and I think sixth place finished on 41 points that year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you came very yeah. close there, didn't you? No, I said, geez. I know, but that was about, yeah, close no, to something else. Mathematically, no. yeah. I think even, even that, it's... Uh, yeah. Only mouse on the show come from Western Pride. You know that. <laughs> Hi, Angela. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, there was also a report going around about Melbourne City's striker hunt has switched from Perth's Andy Keogh to Brisbane's Adam Taggart. If there's any actual news on that, we'll uh, pass I'll that s- on. I will say, if the Taggart thing's interesting because if you are going to like go for a complete rebuild, the number nine position is a highly important one. And there is an argument to be made for a new coach bringing in a preferred number nine who suits their style of play. I'm not saying Taggart can't be that player. Just if you, you it might be reasonable to change it. Yeah. I'm not saying swapping for four in a row is a good idea, though. I'm just saying the rumours are out there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the other story that came out yesterday, there was a bit of drama going on with the Den where, you know, separate from the Den and 
you can read the statements on that. I'm staying out of it because, frankly, that's more. The, un- the only point in. I want to add to that is that before before people jump on the club, you know, and the whole usual, you know, rise up against authority, it is very, very important that you read the statement that the Raw made, that I think this whole thing about censorship and all that, I think is way overblown. Um, and quite frankly, that if you if you think that this is all about just, just the censorship alone, I think you're dumber than, than you sound online because quite frankly, it's the club's responsibility to look after their, their employees um, you expect nothing less in your own jobs. So I think just be very, very careful on social media the way you portray that because there's more to that story than you think. And I think mean, a lot of reactions have been pretty dumb, if you ask me. To be honest, I'm more interested in talking about Brett Holman's injury update, which is basically he's going to be out for the season. He's not sure if yeah. he's going <laughs> to I think be returning. I think for all anymore. intents and purposes, you consider Brett Holman retired yeah. until proven otherwise. Yeah. So I'm just, but, it's a more interesting story. But you need, you need, you need him under contract care. to get an injury replacement. I just want to player. talk about actual football to finish yeah. the segment. <laughs> yes. Or at least an injured footballer. I just don't care about the Dan issues, to be fair. No, yeah. look, I, I agree as well. I just want to make that point. That, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge yeah. that it was out there. Yep. And no, you more going. than enough of that down the years, I think. That's just my for yeah. me. Yep. The Dan's the Dan. We do what we do. Things, the more things change, the more things are the same when it comes to active support up here. Yeah. Or just in the league in general, anyway. Mm. Anyway, we'll leave that for the, uh, we'll leave segment three for that. We'll come back and talk about this Sunday blockbuster <laughs> last against second last clash down in Gosford. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here. And just quickly, I'll run through a couple of plugs because I think we've got a very quick segment four coming up. You've got uh, email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Any thoughts, comments you want to get on the show, feel free to send them through, especially with uh, fan cams on hiatus. We'd still love to let everyone have their say. Uh, Facebook is the Raw Review. We're still working on changing that. And Twitter is at BNE Football. Any yeah, thoughts, comments, you can leave a rating on any of our podcast platforms, Wooshka, iTunes. We're on Spotify now, uh, Radio Public, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Yeah, officially available on all good podcasting networks. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Oh, maybe less one or two, but we're working on that. Oh, God, what else can I... What else do we have to share it to now? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Brisbane, Central Coast. Last versus second last... Two points against seven points, and oh boy. We're all really looking forward to this game. It's a late Sunday game as well. Mm. Yeah. Straight into the Asian Cup after it too. Yeah. Look, we're still, you know, still very much Raw fans. We are going to watch it, but it's hard to get excited for this one. I'm not going to lie. It is. I suppose the only co- the only bit of confidence I'm really taking out of this is the fact that this actually feels like a game the Raw should win. Yep, and that's, that's always it. I said before, have we hit? Have the raw hit rock bottom? Um, they lose this. It says it goes to another level because um, this is a look. I get that you get smacked by Melbourne victory there. You know they're probably on the title hunt. Look, Central Coast are not great. I think anyone that could tell you that. And this is a game that you expect the raw to win. They probably should win. It's two very similar sides actually. Lacking confidence. Fair to say with both sides. Also teams who concede daft goals. So this could be one of these games where neither side has any confidence ends up being a nil or stalemate, or it could be a 5-4 thriller with a bunch of yeah. questionable defensive I decisions. hope for the latter. I hope for the latter as well. We have to watch this, I hope for that. Because yeah. that, that, like, that's one thing you notice about the Raw, though, is like, okay, the last two games against Melbourne aside, and Melbourne, they, they actually can score goals when they want to. Yeah. Like, they, like, they were up 2-0 against 
Excuse me. They're up 2-0 against Perth. Like, yeah. Before the City game, I think they'd only been held scoreless twice all year. Yeah, they scored goals against good teams all lately. You talk about Batsman's five and Darren Davies. He's played like the top four teams over the last few weeks. And they've scored against pretty much all of them. So there's goals in this team, and they've combined really well in the front third. And if that does start to click, they should put a couple past the Mariners. I almost if think, it does click. I think almost the key. We normally say the battle of the midfields is normally the key to most games, but I think it might be a key of which back four stay stay steady. Or five, you, based on uh, yeah, or five, yeah, or six, or eight, or however many, however many you want to play. Um, yeah, look, I think that's the key to all. You know, whichever defence holds firm. Because um, I think, look, both teams are probably capable of scoring. I think just defensively, they've just been woeful. Yeah. Uh, so then that's trying to put it mm. you know, politely as possible. So the only thing that I kind of really want to talk about in this game is which young players are we going to see getting a start? And I want to see Nick D'Agostino get another run out early on. Yeah. I am actually going to well, echo the sentiments of uh, Forsyth Ryan from segment one saying mm-hmm. you want to see Wenzel Halls get a start. Give him a go. Like, at this point, what have you got to lose? I'll say this. The Wiley team does play in Adelaide on Saturday. We On the show last week, we said it was this weekend. It's this weekend coming. They're playing, they're playing on Saturday. With three weeks to go in that season, or two plus potentially a grand final, to me, that should be their priority. I, I would want that team to keep Send playing Aaron together. To Adelaide. Yep, keep yep. playing together, learn to play together, win together, and then when that season is over... Bring the best of them in at that point in a couple of weeks' no, time. I agree. They've all had a taste of the A-League now for the most part. Let them go back to the Wiley, continue to improve as a team, hopefully win the, win that competition, or at least win the conference, and then bring them in after that on some confidence. I think, yeah, confidence at the moment, the men, at least on the men's side of things, that Logan might be pretty sort of down. And I think, you know, the, the, the Youth League is probably the one bright spot. So I think, you know... Give that red hot crack. There is civil war at the end of it. There's a bit of TV exposure until they make the grand final. Mm. You know, give that a shot, and then you know after that, then start you know, blading these kids. But at the moment, you know, they don't want to overcompensate and try and give debuts to kids. You know, in the in the A League when there's still a youth league to win. I'm saying the young guys that are in the mix already yep. in the senior team. So the guys oh, like yeah, yeah O'Toole, yeah. D'Agostino, no, no, yeah, yeah. Wenzel Horse, let them play. Oh yeah, but absolutely. the likes of Aaron Reed, and I'd say give him go give him another. Two or three full games down in the youth league, yep. and look, while we you know weren't too sure about Luke Devere, I think he's done enough to justify being selected once again. Yeah, yeah, he no, I agree. I think look, it's not the complete package that we used to, but look, I think Luke Devere for the spot, the handball last night, and all that. Look, I think he's been good enough to say, you know what, he can keep his spot. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Ridge and May end up going to Adelaide anyway because Jacob Pepper will come back into the match day squad anyway as a defensive cover, and I assume Matt McKay will be in there somewhere as in well in place of Joe Coletti, possibly, possibly. Certainly. Yeah. All right. Look, we're just going to call it a show here. I think that's uh, really all we can talk about right now. Just to finish it off with uh, quick predictions. Will Brisbane beat the Central Coast in the A-League? Yes. Who cares? I think they're going to win. I do think they'll win. I just, it doesn't matter anymore this season. I still want to get some But pride. hopefully they win the game. I still want to win, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the Mariners. You always want to beat them. Absolutely. The Roar have won their last five down in Gosford, so fingers crossed. I only lost twice down in Mariners. Both in 2012-13. Yeah. Anyway... That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, Adam, thank you. Thank Good to see you again, James. Adam? That's right. Now, uh, keep your ears uh, peeled because we are going to be uh, prepping for our NPL preview special as well coming out soon. So stay tuned for that. Get out and enjoy the football this weekend, especially the W League because that's the one Brisbane Raw side playing in Brisbane. Pack so, out lines. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, enjoy the football this weekend. Go Raw in all three games, we hope. And we'll be back next Wednesday to talk about Hopefully, some pretty good results. We'll talk to you next week.